this show is brought to you by Amazon.com. That's right. All you need to do if you want to help support this podcast and help us do all the crazy science and all the fun stuff we're going to be doing here, uh, all you got to do is go to the homepage at todayinspace.net slash home or go to this week's link and there'll be a button. Just click that button and go do your shopping on Amazon like you would regularly. And really, it's, it's that simple. And Amazon's going to kick me back a little bit of, of whatever it is. And that way, we can just fund all of the, the cool stuff we're doing here. Um, it's that simple. And you just help support this podcast. Keep doing what it's doing because, I mean, let's be honest, the show's pretty awesome. So let's keep it going, right? All right. So do that. That'd be awesome. Without further ado, let's go on with the show. Welcome to Today in Space. What up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I am Alex Rafanos, your personal aerospace engineer for this week of November 5th, 2015. The 60th anniversary of the day in 1955 that Dr. Emmett Brown slipped on the toilet, banged his head, and had a vision of the flux capacitor, which is what makes time travel possible. How's everybody doing this week? I hope you're having a great time. Um, you know, whether you're working out, you're on the road, driving home or driving back from work, or you're sitting at home and just enjoying a podcast, whatever it is, I hope you're having a great time. Um, I know I am. You know, big news for me this week, I, I'm sorry I didn't uh, tell you guys last week, but the job search is over. I found a job. I did, after almost two months of basically having a full-time job looking for jobs, uh, I finally landed one. I, I couldn't be happier. It's been almost a whole week. I'm exhausted. Uh, I'm getting used to uh, uh, the drive again. Um, I've upgraded since my last job. Uh, for anyone who's listened to the show before, uh, I used to work uh, in Connecticut and drive from Massachusetts, which would take about 15 hours a week, uh, so about an hour and a half commute to work and back from work. Pretty solid, didn't change very much. Uh, now I've moved it down to, I'm only driving through one, I'm only staying in one state when I drive for, to and from work, so that's great, I'm not going through three. Um... <laughs> And uh, I am, uh, my commute ranges from 40 minutes to an hour. So that's, that's pretty cool. And, but really what's more important is I'm finally doing an engineering job again. Uh, I mean, granted, I, I, I've only been in training, but it's, it's been amazing just to use my brain for, for, for nine hours a day. You know, I, 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 not many people get to experience that and not many people really are used to that or even like that, but man, does it give me a charge. I love that. 
uh, you know, and, and there's, there's definitely some people out there um, that, that they would love to do that, but they don't have the opportunity. So I really feel blessed. You know, I'm at another another great company. It's, it's so it seems I've had a great time. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the future here. Um, I'll get into more of what I'm actually doing for any young engineers out there. So you kind of get an idea of different jobs you could do as an engineer, but I'm not going to tell you until I actually know <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm still learning that. Uh, so yeah, other than that, um, pretty interesting weekend. I uh, hope you, you had a great one. Uh, Halloween weekend, uh, actually on a weeknight. Uh, a week, uh, no, a weekend night. That's that's the one. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was it was awesome. We got an extra hour to uh, uh, to well, depending on how you spent your Halloween night, to either party uh, or to actually spend it sleeping. <laughs> uh, I chose to spend it sleeping. I did my partying early because uh, I had work bright and early Monday. Uh, for the first time in almost, well, in over a year. So, um, God, like I said, just very happy to be back at work. But um, it was very interesting. So this weekend, I talked to, because of course I dressed up as Doc Brown for Halloween, you know, given it's 2015. Uh, It was fantastic. It was great. Got a a lot of compliments, so that was nice. But... It was very interesting because then I got to talk to a few people who were like, oh, like, well, tell me about science. Now, granted, the people I'm talking about are college students. Um, More importantly, college students that are, hmm, how do I I say this nicely? Um, just looking to have fun, which there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to judge. Um, but I could see anyone else who's actually involved in science, uh, who's who's more of a nerd, who's more of an introvert, having a really hard time with these these young gentlemen, to keep it nice. Uh, <laughs> but no, they, they, had, they had a legitimate question. They were actually wanted to know what is science? Now, to some of you out there who are in science, in the scientific field, you may say, man, that's pretty ignorant. Like, who, who asks what science is? But I think, I think at the core, take, take away the part that they may have been drinking heavily all night and then may have had mimosas the next day when we were going out to brunch. I think at the, at the core... Of, of what they were asking was something that I think is is a real problem and it's something that needs to be addressed. I don't know if I'll be able to do it justice, but I think it's something that people in science and people that aren't in science keep getting mixed up on is is what is science? And if if you've been involved in science, if you've worked in a scientific field, if you've even just worked manufacturing, you understand what science is. If, if you're scientifically literate, you understand what science is. You understand that there are many different things. You know, I joked with them, you know, well, you know, how, they, they asked, how do, you, how do you have a career in science? How do you become a scientist? And, and 
I opened up by saying, well, a mommy scientist and a daddy scientist have a baby, and there's your scientist. But it, it, for being serious, uh, and going back to my original point, because as if you're a listener to the show, you know I go on tangents, the real thing that needs to be addressed is what is science? And so before I go any further... I wanted to pull up some definitions and just some sayings so we can actually get a baseline to go off of here, and then I'll give you my opinion. So let's go to the first one. It's an actual, if you just click in Google, you know, definition of science. What does it pull up? Well, it says that science is noun, and that is, it is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. Now, that definition is exactly why someone who's not in science asks, what is science? That right there is the reason it's super complicated, and I understand why it is. It's because it has to be technical to actually explain exactly what it is. But that doesn't help anybody who's not science, like, and I, I think at the core of someone who's scientifically illiterate, I, I think part of the issue is it's a little bit of fear. It's a little bit of not wanting to sound stupid, not wanting to... not wanting to... to be dumb. Because, you know, especially more in today's world, than maybe any other time in history, intelligence is is more valued now than any other time. And I think the only other time that that happens is in war. Especially if you think of World War One and World War Two, World War Two especially. You know, men of science were highly, highly valued, and they were given amnesty crossing lines from enemy to enemy, you know, and because their knowledge was valuable. And so I think now we're, we're, we're reaching a point where, or maybe we've already passed it, where people who are intelligent and people who go to school for, for highly technical things and, and all that jazz, there's a rift happening where the people who or not scientifically literate, are almost putting up a wall saying, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to learn science because, you know, they're, you know, they've probably had some experience where they felt dumb by somebody and then turned them off completely. Or somebody was an asshole. There's plenty of smart, intelligent people who are assholes. Just because you're smart and intelligent doesn't mean that you're a good person. In fact, I've seen some of the smartest people are complete assholes. They're cold, calculating, and they don't have good relationships with anybody, but they're brilliant. And with this rift, I, I don't see it getting any better unless we address the issue, which is what is science? And that definition I just read is, is the exact point I'm trying to make that if that's the best definition, like if that's what you pull up on Google, which, sorry to say it, that's what most people will do, is they will Google it or search engine it and, and look up 
what is science? What is the definition of this? Because it's easy. So we need to make science, or at least getting into science, easy. Because we can't make science easy because then things are going to blow up and people are going to die. So we can't do that. But what we can do is make getting into it easy and making it fun. And that definition doesn't do any justice to that. It really doesn't. And it helps nobody. Except for the person who wrote it. And they're feeling very happy about themselves. I'm sure. Very, very um, pleased with themselves. Now, early, earlier this week, actually last weekend, the weekend before last weekend, uh, I had a chance to watch Interstellar again for the third time, which really, every time I watch that movie, I pick up more and more on the message that movie sends. It's really, it's so jammed packed with so much stuff, it's unbelievable, but for the sake of this episode and for your listening pleasure, I won't go on too much of a tangent on Interstellar and just get to the point. It's it's one of my great, it's one of, one of my great, like I had something to do with it. It's one of my favorite um, interactions and kind of explanations of what science is. And it's kind of, it, it's, it's a practical definition. And it's, it's a scene where Coop is talking to Murph, uh, before he brings Murph uh, to school and then finds out she got suspended. So I'll just read the dialogue here. Um, and young Murph said, you know, you said that science was about admitting that we, what we don't know. Donald said, you know, she's got you there. And Coop said, hey, start looking after all of our stuff after found out the lander module was broken. Uh, Cooper sits next to Murph. All right, Murph. You want to talk science? Don't just tell me that you're afraid of some ghost, all right? You got to go further. You have to record the facts, analyze, get to the how and the why, and present your conclusions. Deal? Young Murph, deal. All right, says Cooper. That is a really good definition of of how someone who's scientifically literate approaches the world and approaches how they deal with what life throws at you. So some people are religious, some people are pessimistic, some people are just optimistic and, and or don't let things bother them and they just go through life. Um, I have a very hard time <laughs> with that. I, I need, I'm not saying I need some control, but if you go by the definition of an engineer, I definitely fall into that. Um, I, I come from the mindset that nothing's going to get done unless you get it done. And you can't just rely on something to happen. You have to make it happen. So science presents me with that ability. Now, I'm not going to have, like, just because I put the effort in doesn't mean I'm going to get it done or it's going to happen the way I want it to. It very rarely, almost never happens the way that I thought it was going to happen. But because I take a scientific approach and I, like he says, record the facts, analyze, and get to the how and why, and then present your conclusions, then for me, I just, I feel like, 
I'm getting something done. I feel like I'm going somewhere, getting somewhere with it. You know, and and, and it starts off. It, it's the whole thing with, I think it, it, it's perfect. It, it talks about the ghost, you know, and she's not really afraid of it in the movie, but that, but it is. It's, it's a supernatural thing, right? So it's the only way she could explain it is a ghost, you know, and and her father's like, no, like, don't call it a ghost. You need to figure out what it is. Record the facts, analyze and get to the how and why. Sometimes you never get to the how and you f- sometimes can't even get to the why. But you at least try and you, you, you're further, you have something to back yourself up, you know? And what I was trying to say to the guys, I mean, because we'll go back to this weekend with the, the, the college kids, you know, they're like, all right, well, you know, they were like, well, what is, what is science? You know, I always thought, and I explained a few things, you know, like, no, like I'm an engineer and as an engineer, you know, I'm, 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 I'm building things. I'm using my hands. There's also chemists. There's people in biology. There's, you know, there's aerodynamicists, there's, there's so many, I, I, I can't even, there's civil engineers, people who make buildings and, and plot and, and make sure highways work properly and they're built properly to, to withstand traffic, you know, so you don't get jam-ups like we have here in Massachusetts because they're doing fucking construction all the time. There's a whole bunch of other things and they, whether they were being serious or not, I feel like they were, that they literally thought that scientists had lab coats and worked with beakers and poured things back and forth. And I, at first, I, I didn't get irritated with it. I got irritated with them later for another reason, which I'll bring up. But <laughs> I didn't get, I, you know, I, I, how, how can I be upset or irritated or like, oh, like offended that that's what they thought? Like, I think that's what a lot of people think. And, and I think the thing that shocked them the most was that a lot of things that they never considered were science because I don't think they understood the basis of science, which I think this quote from Carl Sagan is my favorite. And Carl Sagan said, Science is more than a body of knowledge. It's a way of thinking, a way of skeptically interrogating the universe. And I really like that. I really like that that quote from him, the way he put that. It's simple. Um, because it's true. Anyone who's who thinks scientifically is always going to question something that just gets said to be said or you know someone throws a fact out there or or uh, not to use they throw numbers out there and statistics and someone scientifically minded will be like well where did you get that why where where did that come from how you how how did you come to that conclusion you know because in their mind They've quickly run through, and they're like, "That no, no, I don't think so." And and it's not a counterculture thing. It's not. It's just. 
it's like you said, it's it's skeptically, it's a way of skeptically interrogating the universe and asking why that is what it is. And I I I think I think that's beautiful. I really think it is. And I think that's what everyone who's who's involved in science, who who really is involved, who has a discipline of science, and he says it, it it's, that it's a way of thinking, and you don't, you don't just start thinking scientifically. You're not born thinking scientifically. You know, you you have to learn about it and get it wrong a bunch of times, more times than you'll ever get anything else wrong. Just like getting good at anything. You know, and then you start figuring out the little little tricks and, and stuff to make it quicker and to understand things a little bit better. And you start getting better at it. And then one day, like I found out at this new job, you realize, wow, all that work I've done, it's kind of paid off. And I'll give you, uh, I'll explain more. When I was at my last job, when I first started, I, I had worked construction before, so I knew how to use some power tools. And I knew how to measure a room and how to make cuts for putting in floors and tiles. But I'd never worked with manufacturing equipment. Like, like I've said before, I went, from, I went from Legos to injection molding machines. I, I, like, I, didn't, I didn't have a middle ground, so I was terrified the first time I, I, people were just letting me... I'm like, oh, go do that. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, yeah, I had gone to school for engineering, but not for manufacturing. I, I had never done that. I had always worked in books, you know. It may not make sense to anybody listening, but, like, I thought that, you know, when you, <laughs> when you make something and you tolerance it and you put, like, 10.005 that that's fine, but, like, you know, stupid things like that, where it's like, no, like, the the further that number, the more precise that number gets, the more expensive it's going to be to make it that, and do you really need that, you know, simple things like, like, nobody makes a real three-eighths hole, no hole is actually three-eighths, there's a range, you know, or you use... You use this one to make a 3 8 hole, and then you tap it with something else, and there's different... Do you want the tap loose? Do you want it tight? You know, and that it's that physical world manipulation. It's, it's understanding, okay, nothing is cut perfectly. Nothing is perfectly parallel. Nothing is perfectly flat. Nothing is learning all those little things. Like, there's a bunch of play with this stuff. You know, it's a, it's a fine-tuning. It's a, it's a finding the right balance. And what, what my degree taught me was how to think in very large numbers and very precise things and, and to make sure that things worked as great as they can because I'm dealing with rocket ships and airplanes and people's lives. And I understand why they did it that way. But then when you move to the real world, and I worked in a manufacturing company, I realized, oh, wow. Like, yes, it has to do that, but it's it's not as <laughs> it's not as uh, brutal as I thought it was. I thought it was this like crazy 
for, for making things. I thought it was like this laser-perfect thing, but there's some play. There's some, you know, and, and, and the whole thing is experience, is just is figuring out what is okay and what isn't okay. And they learned all these things from fucking up. You know, and I think any good scientist, anyone who's good at science, knows that they can fuck up at any time. They know the odds, for the most part. Whether they've inflated them or not, they know the odds. They have a general idea of what could go wrong. And if they say that they're perfect, or they say that they, you know, oh, don't worry, my, you know, it'll be fine. And they can't give you an explanation. I don't know. I'd, I'd be skeptical. I would. But. Now with this job. Granted I'm still in training. And. I'm still learning. what What's required of me. So that I can help make the company great. Because what I want to do, I want to I want to provide value to whoever I'm working for. I want to do my best, and I want to kick ass at it. And now that I've I'm at another manufacturing company, very different, but still the settings the same, the people are the same, and the attitudes the same. I feel way more confident, like. I'll give you a perfect example. When I first started my first job, I didn't know what I should know and what I sh- and I didn't know what I didn't know. So I was terrified. I was I was scared every time I did something and I was terrified to make any mistake ever. Cuz that's what my degree taught me. <laughs> I don't that's not how they 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 wrote it in the curriculum, but that's what I learned from it. Um, and so I, I didn't ask questions because I didn't want to sound wrong in the beginning. And then it took me a little while to figure out, okay, it's okay to make mistakes as long as you don't make them again. You know, so ask questions and, and figure out and, and, and know what you don't know. As soon as you have a question, just ask it. You're way better off doing that. And so with, with this job now, with this first week that I've been there, I, I feel so much more comfortable. I've got a whole bunch of little tools and tricks I've learned from working at another company for three years. Like, it's just amazing. It's incredible the, the level of, of confidence I have now that I didn't have before. And that just, that just came down to experience. It, did, it had nothing to do with what I learned in school. Uh, it had nothing to do with, you know, my, how smart I am. It just came down to, I've been there and I've done that, you know? And I think that goes with anything. I really think it does. I think experience is experience. It doesn't matter what it's in. It's, it's experience and you get better. And I think the, what those kids were asking this weekend was something they didn't know. And they were 
I'm not going to say they were scared of it, but they probably never even got into it because they figured, why should I get into science? I'm just going to sound like an idiot. You know? So I think the only way to solve a lot of this bullshit that's going on with people using numbers and the internet, which just, the internet's great, but God, can it pull people (laughs) in such crazy ways and make them go nuts, you know, and then people don't even look at numbers. Like the, you know, the perfect example is the, you know, oh, the, the earth will go dark and NASA's confirmed it. And it's like, if you just took a second and looked at those numbers, it's not even hard. And so you just look at those numbers and you're like, oh, those numbers are 15 days of darkness. Oh, wait a minute. Every day is dark half the time and there's 30 days in a month. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm being taken. You know, somebody's somebody's fucking with me. You know, it's just just simple stuff like that. Um, and we have so many science, so many different things of science today. We've got fight science, you know, sport, sp- uh, sport science. Um, just just as, as far as as physical training and health goes, that is science. And people, I don't think people understand that that's actually science. I think people keep going back to no science is in a lab coat with beakers. So I think we need a better explanation of what science is. Mine was really long-winded and a lot of stories interconnected, but I think Carl Sagan said it the best. And I'll say it one more time. Science is more than a body of knowledge. It's a way of thinking, a way of skeptically interrogating the universe. And I'll leave it at that. All right, so before we end the episode, let's go through some space news of what the fuck has happened this week in space. So, uh, first of all, this week marked the 15th anniversary of the International Space Station having humans on board continuously. So, basically, for the entirety of the 21st century so far, we have had humans at the edge of space constantly and it's it's amazing it really is and i i it what's really shocked me is how much the international space station has changed over the years because for anyone who doesn't know they built it in orbit they brought piece by piece up there it's usually how it's how you build in space it's how you make something like that get up there you have to send it up and luckily because we had the space shuttle which was as some uh, space enthusiast will call the space shuttle the glorified, uh, the, the space pickup truck or the space truck because it did just that. It, it brought up things to the International Space Station and into space. Um, and it's adapted and changed and things have been added on and, and all the stuff they're doing today. I mean, earlier this year, we talked about they built, they 3D printed the first objects ever in space. So now we can actually manufacture things in space. And they grew lettuce and ate lettuce on the International Space Station. And our path to Mars, everything we're going to be doing to go to another planet and to colonize is happening on board that flying spaceship laboratory apartment. 
that's always going on up there. And we've continuously had humans on board, and it's been 15 years. So congratulations to everybody who's been involved in that and for, for keeping us up there. You know, it's, it's incredible. Now, next, some more NASA news. They have released uh, a whole bunch of stuff in the last week about basically creating a new astronaut corps. Basically, the first thing that I saw was a Tumblr post on Twitter from their account uh, talking about the five myths about becoming an astronaut, which I'm guessing was in preparation for releasing that they are looking to increase the amount of astronauts that they have. So I'll just go off of some of these five myths. I'll have the link there, but uh, we'll go through the five myths about becoming an astronaut. You, you can go look at the link if you want to on this week's episode. First one, all astronauts have piloting experience. It's not true. It helps, but it is not true. You do, do not need flight experience to be an astronaut. Another myth, all astronauts have perfect vision, and it's... You don't have to have perfect vision. You don't have to have 20-20. And uh, since September of 2007, as long as you have corrective uh, eye procedure like PRK or LASIK, and you give a year since you had the procedure with no, you know, and you had no problems, you're fine. You're good. Uh, another myth, all astronauts have advanced degrees like a PhD, and that's not true. Um, it is necessary to have a bachelor's degree from a university, but other than that, it's not required. Um, the next myth, astronauts are required to have military experience in order to be selected, uh, and it is not required of you to become an astronaut. Another myth, you have to be a certain age in order to be an astronaut, uh, and... Even though there are no age restrictions, um, astronauts have, that have been selected, uh, or the astronaut candidates that have been selected, have ranged in ages from 26 to 46. So it's a pretty, pretty wide gap. And then they go through here and talk about more on what are the actual NASA astronaut requirements. So if you've ever even just thought of being an astronaut, like some people think of being a firefighter or being a policeman, they're actually looking to hire more astronauts. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. It, it, they're, they're really, I mean, I, I, I feel like there's a push coming, guys. I really, I really do. So, if you've ever even dreamed about getting involved in, in NASA and, and, and space travel, I think it's coming. I really do. I think, I think this is the start of a push to get us to go. And I, 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 the, the next piece of news is what's really, like, wow, like, like mind-blown, like, I can't believe this is happening. So... I don't, I'm not going to go into it too much in this episode. I'm just going to tease you with it. 
and we'll do another episode and talk about everything that they're talking about. But for a while, NASA has talked about going to Mars and, you know, I go back to the story of Elon Musk. He, before he started SpaceX, before he really took his next step, he wanted to help go to Mars. It was one of his dreams. And there were no planned missions to Mars. Nothing was on the books. Nothing was happening. You know, now we've had, we've had an actual, you know, like, oh, yes, like, here's our, our big idea of going to Mars. You know, it's going to take technology meeting together with scientific experiments and, and, and just experience in general, and things got to go together. But there was no real plan. There was no real budgets placed. This week, NASA released an actual plan, an actual paper that outlines their actual plan to not only go to Mars, but to colonize Mars. And every step, pretty much, that you would expect out of a plan, it's there, it's written down, and it's real. It's real. And I'm, I'm... I'm shocked, I'm amazed. I mean, I always, I knew in my gut this was coming, but to actually see it and to see that they're, they're doing this, it's amazing. I am, I am so pumped up. It, it, I'm speechless. But you know me, I'll always have words to fill here. But uh, it, I, all I can think of, too, while I think of that is is my friend John, who was supposed to come on this week, but we just couldn't line up our schedules. And we will be talking about The Martian at a future date here. But all I hear is his his voice in my head saying, well, you know, is it really going to happen? You know, are, you know, how's this going to work? And it's right, you know, or more importantly, for John, that was just a skeptic. If if I'm if I'm channeling John right now, John's saying, "Well, isn't it convenient that they lined it up with the release of the Martian movie?" Yes, but is it bad that they took advantage of the fact that people are paying attention? I mean, one of the biggest f- fall points of the space program when it's not a matter of national security, is that nobody pays attention until people could potentially die or a rocket explodes or something catastrophic happens. So why is it bad that they took advantage of the release of a great movie that captures people's just... Imagination. I mean, we've been hit with these in the last few years. What, just because it's the Martian and it has to do with going to Mars? I mean, we had gravity, which which really in any other time, I don't think would have been as popular as it was. Especially given the technology that it took to make that movie. And the kind of imaging we needed to have in space to get that done. Because it was pretty much all CGI. But... That movie captured 
tons of people. Some people didn't even see it because they can't even handle <laughs> the idea of, of being off the earth. And then you had Interstellar, which was incredible. Some people weren't really... Some people were very skeptical of the movie and critical of the movie, but whatever. It got people thinking, right? And then now you've got The Martian, which is kicking ass, and thank God that it was a book first or or pretty much like every trailer that was given, you knew like, oh, like, well, he didn't die in the beginning and... Well, they're going to go save him. Okay, well, like, you pretty much know the entire movie. But it's still a great movie to go see. And so I think it's awesome that they're lining it up with real things. I think it's opportunistic. I think it's the right way to approach and to use this opportunity. Because given what they're faced with, which is budget cuts and... and having to take a budget and take slices off of that. And it, it doesn't move. It, it does not move up or down. Different segments of it get chopped every year and get removed and replaced somewhere else. It pretty much stays a flat budget overall. And then everyone has to spread the wealth amongst all the other agencies. And sometimes you lose funding and your project dies, and or your, it's like our planetary program, which is going to have a lull for quite a few years, I think maybe even a decade, where we have no planned missions, because for a very long time, the planetary budget was not funded, and no projects, no missions were funded to be released, and I think it's the tail half of no, I don't have the numbers, but I'll get them out to you eventually. Basically, we're going to have almost a decade of no planetary satellites or missions, rovers going. You know, we got the 2020 rover to Mars, but other than that, we're not going anywhere else. You know, that can change, though. That can change if we get excited and we take opportunities like this, like the Martian, to promote... And to, dare I say it, um, oh God, what's the word? Synergize backwards overflow, right? Synergy. It's about synergy, people. We combine science with the movie and we're going to get shit done. Otherwise, we need a war to get this shit done, guys. So what's wrong with fucking combining a movie with real science. I don't see a problem. I really don't. That's it. <laughs> that's all I got. That's, that's it for this week. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with... I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how uh, who I can find this week. Um... And uh, we'll just we'll just keep thinking and dreaming and just having the conversation about space. You know, there's a lot of there are a shitload of science shows out there, especially space shows that are very technical and they talk about a lot of stuff. And what I want to do here is just 
make it someplace where you can come and think and and maybe even sometimes you're not even really listening to what I'm saying, but you're thinking about something else because of something that I said. And I think that's the magic of the type of podcasting that I got into almost two years ago, three years ago. And the fact that I've been doing this show almost a year is mind-blowing. And I can't believe how far I've come with this and how far you've all come with me. I mean, to get to a point where I can do this on every week and still have a job and still get it done because I love it. That's that's everything to me. So thanks, thank you everyone for sticking with me and sticking with the show and, and having fun with us. Um, we got tons of more shit to come. So... Um, stay tuned, and if you want to help fund, basically, and support this podcast, and all the science we're going to be doing, and it's it's already started, um, it's just going to take a while if I have to fund it myself, so if you want to help get more stuff out to you, go to the Amazon link on this week's episode, or on the homepage at todayinspace.net slash home and just click that link and go shop on Amazon. Just do what you regularly do and Amazon is going to kick me back a a small percentage. It's it's a little bit. It costs you nothing and it just helps me and everybody else involved with the show bring more science to you. I mean, I've got a lot planned for the next few years here, guys. I'm talking years, guys, all right? So I've I've got stuff planned out the ass coming out to you. So just go to Amazon, do the shopping through that link, and we can we can get this stuff done. I'm 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 seriously excited about all this stuff and about having all you with me for the show. So um like I said, don't be afraid of science. Go into the deep dark of the unknown and fear and all of that shit and kick ass. Don't let Anybody else tell you how to live your life and do it how you want to do it. It's terrifying. It's scary. But you'll be better for it. And you'll like yourself better. (laughs) I guarantee it. So spread love. Spread science. Have a great fucking week, everybody. Peace out.